Infrastructure Week became sort of a running joke during the Trump administration. But President Biden has also talked a lot about infrastructure and is unveiling some plans in Pittsburgh today on that front. Meanwhile, progressives have been organizing around the Thrive Act. Thrive stands for Transform, Heal and Renew by Investing in a Vibrant Economy. And it was reintroduced by Senator Ed Markey and Representative Debbie Dingell last month. More than 100 actions supporting the act are taking place today, and progressive organizers have already succeeded in convincing the Biden administration and Democrats in Congress that they should go big on green infrastructure. The administration's Build Back Better proposal does that, but organizers say the problem is scale. In a nutshell, this is great, but it needs to be three times bigger. Today, I'm joined by Kaniela Ng, former representative for the great state of Hawaii and current climate justice campaign director for People's Action, a grassroots organization that's been mobilizing behind the Thrive Act. He's going to walk us through the details and what he's hearing from communities on the ground. That conversation coming up right after this quick break. I'm Amy Westervelt, and this is Drilled. Hi, it's Amy here, and I'm excited to tell you about a new podcast from APM Studios and Western Sounds called Ripple. Such a good idea, this show. In the aftermath of major disasters, there is always a swarm of media attention. The public is captivated by breaking news, there's coverage and controversy, and then the cameras and the public just move on. But the stories are not finished. Ripple is a new series investigating the stories we were told were over. In season one, the reporting team traveled hundreds of miles across the Gulf Coast to learn the ongoing effects of the 2010 Deepwater Horizon oil spill, which are still impacting many coastal residents more than a decade later. You can listen now to Ripple wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe we could start with just um, what you've kind of what you've been seeing so far in the Biden administration on climate, like what what you were sort of expecting and how the administration has met those expectations or failed to meet them, exceeded them. Yeah, I mean, look, I supported Bernie Sanders Mm -hmm. uh, in the primary election when you weren't riding with Biden from the jump. <laughs> well, I mean, Biden is like a self-proclaimed moderate, right? So, I when 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 Bernie lost, I I don't think. I mean, I definitely. If you're telling me that you fast forward to March 2021, and mm-hmm. we'd be looking at a four trillion dollar climate like infrastructure package, uh, I think you're crazy. Um, so yeah. That. That's a testament. Like Biden is a really, really good politician. He's been doing this his whole life. He's been a state, he's been a U.S. senator in his twenties. Um, mm-hmm. Not in the fact that he's like a champion for the things that will actually help our communities, that the things we actually need, but in the fact that he figures out where the middle is, right in in the base he needs to win, and then he moves his ass there right away. Mm-hmm. And the fact that look, when in two thousand eighteen, I think when we first talked. Like brand new Congress, Justice Democrats, they are running candidates, right? Or 2017. Mm-hmm. And the big platform 
uh, pillar was like this $1 trillion infrastructure ask demand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was considered radical. Um, The fact that we have Biden, who is self-proclaimed like a centrist, like a moderate in the middle, talking about four mm-hmm. trillion, this is a testament to the power of the movement and how much we've shifted um, the the common sense of the general public. And that yeah. you know that's, that's due to the sunrise movement, the youth climate strikes, um, like longtime uh, environmental justice advocates, uh, people making really bold bets on elections, like when the youth decided to support uh, Senator Markey over uh, mm-hmm. Bill Kennedy and like all these big bets that really paid off. So yeah. I, yeah. know, I, I'm surprised by how, how aggressive Biden has been in, in uh, on climate is definitely not enough. Like the $4 trillion or I think $400 billion or somewhat that's actually going to go to green investment. Like that's not like I have a one and four year old and like mm-hmm. the place they grew up in will be underwater by the time they're 30 years old. Um, yeah. Like we have a rail project here in Hawaii that is it's like 40 years now and it's still not done <laughs> and mm-hmm. raising taxes on working people like that's gonna keep draining money from them and they're never gonna really be in, like comfortably in the middle class ever um mm. and like it doesn't have to be that way you know like yeah so yeah uh, but it's like up to biden to like step it up right now in this key moment yeah, I don't want to ask you to read the tea leaves too much, but like, how much do you think, how much further left do you think Biden can actually be pushed? I mean, just over the last few months, we, we've, I mean, just the past few weeks, it was supposed to be a $2 trillion package. Now it's $3 trillion. Um, Some mm-hmm. articles are saying $4 trillion. I mean, hell, mm-hmm. Joe Manchin, who's supposed to be the one hang up, the reason why we need to be more careful and move to the right he went ahead and said like months ago that he's comfortable with a $4 trillion package. Um, mm. So, you know, at this point, it, there's not a lot of excuses left of why you shouldn't go bold. Like not yeah. only is it really popular to go big, uh, but you have like a majority, you, like all your members are online too now, like inside and outside. And yeah. it's only growing. Like we're doing yeah. an action. We're organizing that action on Wednesday on March 31st, um, mm-hmm. time to thrive where we already have like 102 people signed up to host events, like direct actions outside um, members of Congress's offices and homes, um, digital events. Like the momentum is only getting bigger. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, even in Manchin's district, like the Republican governor, Jim Justice, yeah. has been like, he, even he's calling for more. He, he's saying like, we we need to err on the side of, go- of spending too much, not too little. You're organizing some actions now. What are the asks? on the table for um for for this week yeah so the the day of action is called time to thrive and we just rolled out the thrive act today we had a press conference um you know we had folks from all across the democratic party ed markey jeff merkley uh debbie dingle uh champions include like ilhan omar jamal bowman uh, pramila jayapar like ro Khanna, just a lot of good folks and mm-hmm. um and not just all on the hard left either. You have like Biden allies on this too. So we're showing that you can have big solutions and a big tent. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to choose. So the demand is $1 trillion per year over 10 years. And the idea is like, this is a huge crisis moment. And like the stars just happen to be aligned. We have a trifecta in, yeah. in the House, Senate and White House. And we have a governor who's trying to be, I mean, a president who's telling everyone he's trying to be the next FDR um, mm-hmm. and like pass New Deal-esque uh, legislation. 
So we got to take advantage of it. Like we have no choice but to plan ahead, especially when we know the other side is going to continue um, pushing austerity measures and allowing our communities to suffer. So we're demanding uh, 15 million people getting put back to work through this investment, um, passing the PRO Act, so enshrining labor rights into law, um, mm-hmm. and really advancing like gender, environmental, indigenous justice, um, racial justice with particular attention to like black and indigenous people. So that's the Thrive Act. And um, it's it wasn't easy to find alignment on it. It's, it's taken like over a year and a half now um, as a coalition, and it didn't start from elected officials either. It wasn't just like mm-hmm. some some lawyers on the hill just like locked themselves <laughs> in a room. Like, no, we tried that before. In fact, like we spent millions of dollars during the healthcare fight in two thousand eight. Um, what's different about this act is it's really from the grassroots up. Um, we just asked politicians to sign up on it um, after, like after it was already written, and uh, and it's uh, like the organize. There's an actual campaign behind it. A campaign where there's millions of dollars not spent on ads or TV or consultants, but on actually field organizing. So that's how we're able to mm. organize all these actions. Because um, the outside game, there's one thing we learned from 2008 and 2009 is that uh, you need you need the field operation. Like you need the outside game if you're going to win anything, especially mm-hmm. like anything that's going to be durable. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's so it is interesting to me how quickly um, people have have shifted their thinking on like, you know, um, what is, quote unquote, reasonable and and what kinds of policies we can um, we can actually implement. I remember when the Green New Deal was first announced and so many people in the climate space were like, this is asking for too many things at once. You know, like if we try to get people to think about social justice and, you know, energy sources at the same time, we're never going to get anywhere. And then here we are, you know, two years later, I guess two and a half. And it sort of would be ridiculous to see a climate policy proposed without any kind of um, provisions for labor and equity and indigenous rights and, you know, gender and all of these things. So, um, I don't know. I'm curious, like if you hear, are you hearing the same kind of, you know, quote unquote, be reasonable pushback that, that people were hearing even as recently as, you know, a year or two ago? I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. The answer is no, not nearly as much as we used to. There's still some of that, but what's unreasonable is is the fact that like we still have people who don't have drinkable water or breathable right. air and we might not have a livable planet we don't have livable jobs for many people that were her- like heralding as um essential frontline workers and like without essential wages um and even now with the vaccine rollout they don't even have access to it because they're not in that uh you know that modicum of of power and, and wealth. Right. So that it's, it's just, it, it's, it's an unreasonable hierarchy that we've created for ourselves. And mm-hmm. the other thing is like, if you speak to people's needs, like people have diverse needs. So the yeah. more needs you speak to, the more diverse base you can build. So when you're like, do you expect people to sign on to social justice? Like, no, do you expect someone who's worried about getting shot by the cops as soon as they step out of their house or even when they're asleep, how are you supposed to sell a clean energy standard to that person, you know, exactly. without addressing that first? If like, right. 
you're a native I'm person. Be like, we'll take care of you being able to, you know, not be killed later. But right now, we need to talk about batteries. That's yes. right. I mean, like, if you're a native person, and like your family home is getting stripped away um, by colonial forces, or you're an immigrant and like your family is getting deported and your kids are getting stripped from your arms, um, it's unreasonable to think that they're going to care about two degrees Celsius. You know what they're going to care about is like the direct impacts. And unless you're talking about that um, and making the connections to, to like the larger um, problem, which is this colonial extractive economy that we've created, um, then we'll get nowhere. But look, when you focus on it all, then uh, you build the literally the biggest movement that we've ever seen in United States history. And that's where yeah. we're at. You know, I feel so I, I spend a lot of time on uh, on history and, you know, how um, how like the sort of counter movement to the current climate movement was built. And it's it's so broad, you know, <laughs> like it's it's like the right wing does not just concentrate on climate denial. It's like, you know, the same people that are doing that are also working on you know, quote unquote, school choice and privatizing everything and getting rid of um, uh, indigenous rights and getting rid of tribal sovereignty. And, all you know, it's like I don't it's 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 crazy to me every time I um, I look at that and then compare it to the left, which is like, I don't know. I don't know if we can, like, think about two things at the same time. Um, maybe, maybe maybe there's truth in that. Right. Like. Like we don't have to, we can focus on like one to three things, but they yeah. don't have to be policies per se. Like policies can right. be a means to, to, to an end, which is a shift of your value set. And that's what the right has been doing, right? Like, yeah. like the bootstraps, individualism, the free market, like oh, these are all like value systems that the policies they propose and tactics even are just like meant to bolster like that, that frame of thinking. Um, mm-hmm. And like we, that we can do that. Like we can propose all kinds of things and kind of like dissolve these eradicate these false dichotomies like planet versus paycheck Um, right like you know jobs are actually good like climate action means tons of jobs like um this idea that we're we can just move on our own as individuals like you can't keep the lights on in texas on your own like you can't stop wildfires in california on your own i can't i can't fucking raise my two toddlers at home working full-time on my own Right? That's right. Like, yeah. Like that that's yeah. like no matter what policies you're talking about, if 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 it's like if the crux of it is like we're stronger together and if we invest in each other and our community, then we can actually make it through these crises, then yeah, it's mm-hmm. about the policy, but it's also about like building up um like what it means to be um in community with one another and like enshrining like enough as a human right. Like why yeah. why do we let um why is poverty even allowed in a in a country with billionaires? And just kind of focusing in on that, like more, having moral clarity and focusing mm-hmm. in on that, uh, on, on the values first and like the policies. Yeah. yeah. Like we want to win them and they matter because like people are dying. But, um, if you actually like, these are values that like everyone agrees with, right? Like freedom to thrive. Um, and if you actually knock on doors, which is another thing we're doing, like these, this deep canvassing program around uh, climate that we're launching this year, um, mm-hmm. you can even win, win over folks in Trump country as well. I mean, in People's Action Network, we have groups like New Jersey Organizing Project, um, Who's Your Action? Like these are groups that purposely go out into areas that are considered um, no goes for like the Democratic Party, 
and they organize people and, and not only do they organize them into their into their group to take action but they swiftly radicalize them as well because it's like hating the government and blaming the government and and like folks that are weaker than you um in like the social hierarchies that we created um that's not actually not that far from like pointing a finger at, at billionaires instead um and like, <laughs> that's true it's yeah. like a couple like a, f- a few co- like really open conversations and i should say like i you know when i was 22 i won my first election in a district that went republican like 46 out of 50 years in statehood in hawaii and mm-hmm. it was by just listening to folks like the first rap i knock on a door i knocked on twelve thousand doors like the first rap was hey i'm kaniela ng i know it feels like the government doesn't always listen to us and that's why I'm at your door. And then I just mm-hmm. full stop and hear what they have to say, you know? Uh, sometimes yeah. there are issues, sometimes they'll just say, this is great. And then you do that a couple of times, um, they're, they're going to listen to you because the, the fact of the matter is like they might listen to talk radio, but most people just aren't that political. Like yeah. they don't see themselves as political beings and that's in many ways problematic and it's not the case in many other countries with the like a more strong movement history mm-hmm. um but like it's also an opportunity for folks on the left to like um, or in like the climate sphere to to really um change some minds and move people i think the yeah. youth have been doing a, doing a really good job over the last couple um years but we can't rely on like children to educate parents uh, right. We try to go out and, and organize like millennials, Xers, boomers, everyone. Um, we got to do it ourselves as well. How do you expect things to go with with the Thrive Act and the Pro Act? What's it looking like right now? Um, I mean, things are heading the right direction. It's just you mentioned this on the top of the call, like the things that are sticking in the Biden administration. It isn't necessarily rooted in like traditional aspects of power, like in the organizing tradition, like Alinsky or or like Marxism or anything. It's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, someone just does a white paper or a one pager and they put some really nice branding with like some trendy gradient behind their mark <laughs> and it sticks. Yeah. And it just picks up. And on one hand, I really welcome this shift from like anti-intellectualism that we've seen under Trump and the Tea Party to like some more thoughtfulness. But also like, you know, it's like an emperor's, it could be like an emperor has no clothes thing. Like some of these organizations that have Biden's ear don't really have a base. I'm not saying they're not doing good work, but they're more in the advocacy sphere. Um, sphere. Yeah. They're not necessarily... Um, like powerful on the ground, like with real people. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, in people's action, and I know my philosophy is like, we, like working people, we're the experts of our own experiences. Like mm-hmm. we know, like if you want solutions, go to the people closest to the pain, right? right. And um, I think that's something that uh, we'd like to see a little bit more of in uh, in this administration. And if they did focus on like those people on the ground, um, you'd see like a lot more, not just rooted, but aggressive policy as well. And you'll like, you'll be building bases that will help um, pass future legislation, but also help with your next election as well. Yeah. So does it seem like the people who are, who do kind of have his ear are aligned with the kinds of things that, that you're talking about? Yeah, actually, I think where progressives have been really strategic about was right when 
they saw the writing on the wall and actually right after the the primary we didn't mess around like we knew that trump uh-huh. was evil and like we have to do everything we can to um to beat him so we didn't like play around like we threw down for biden and then mm-hmm. we reminded biden that he needed us to win and yeah. very quickly we push to get our champions in his administration um and you see a lot of folks that yeah um, really good people that were part of the transition team like you know barshini from um sunrise from movement sunrise uh, yeah cortez was part of the transition team um mm-hmm. and uh that in turn shaped some really positive policy um the fact that deb halen is like the first native um you know uh, yeah. leader, that i think that's a big deal and that wouldn't have happened without like um, the progressives getting in. So, you know, there's a lot of good folks, um, in the administration and, um, you know, it's, it's part of it is getting good people around him. But Mm -hmm. again, he's a really good politician that has his finger on the pulse of where the middle is of, Mm -hmm. of the way he needs to win. So more importantly is shifting, um, that middle, the political common sense of the general public. And Mm -hmm. we, we've been, it's really clear that we've been doing that very well, over the last few years um, to see this shift from one trillion being too much to even Joe Manchin talking about four trillion. I think that's like the, the proof is really. Important. How much are people connecting their kind of day to day stuff with climate? And is that even something that that is that even like a conversation that um, that you're pushing with people on the ground? Or is it like, let's figure out, you know, people's most urgent needs first? No, I mean, one thing that Biden has been good at in terms of his messaging that really came from the movement is this focus that climate action means jobs. And right Mm -hmm. now in this moment where you have 15 million people unemployed, a lot of these jobs aren't coming back. Um, It's a prime moment for tech billionaires who are the big winners, by the way, of this pandemic (laughs) to to automate. Um, Like, Yes. And so same with the oil industry. They're covering up so much automation shit by saying, oh, we lost jobs from COVID, but they were losing them already from automation. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's right. And this idea that like a Green New Deal like cost jobs, like no, the jobs are disappearing now because of the right. private sector. And in Correct. fact, you need yeah. the public sector to get the jobs back. It's it, it's completely opposite of what uh, like right wing pundits and austerity, um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, longer is are pushing and it like right now like i look out the window there's potholes to be filled there's bridges to be repaired trees to be yeah. planted like there's so much work that we need to do that the free market just won't provide jobs for because mm-hmm. like our need it's all wrapped in the par- the profit nexus but if we actually create jobs based on what we actually need for a livable planet for uh you know, clean water for infrastructure that's up to speed, literally with the rest of the world, (laughs) then, um, then it's a win, win, win. And, uh, I think that's the message. That's a real take home message because you can find projects like you have abandoned malls because of COVID everywhere and just reimagining what that could be for your community. That's some, that's one way to bring home thrive and the green new deal for everyone, no matter where you live, left and right, black and white, whatever. But also, I feel like um, there has been, I think, a shift for people in understanding that government jobs are also jobs. Like, this is something that I think the right wing did really well for a long time, was convince people that somehow working for the government was, like, not a real job. 
Yeah, I mean, when I was 21, out of college, the only job I could get was selling copy machines. You want to talk about <laughs> like, not a real job? Like <laughs> the, the private sector, the, the like the middle managers that make people feel important. Like you yeah. really only need the people that produce it and like the capitalists. Like everybody right. else in the middle, those layers and layers and layers in these corporations are only there for colonial reasons. They're only there to, mm-hmm. to make one company take up more land, to mm-hmm. take up more space. Like you could yeah. have, like you know, so it's just, that's not real work. <laughs> real work right. is like building bridges, planting trees, caring for your neighbors. Like, and that's the other thing that's really like key in this Thrive Agenda and um, like the Green New Deal uh, uh, bills that, that will be coming out is like, we recognize that if we just created a bunch of jobs, um, traditional like infrastructure jobs, it'll be jobs for white men. Um, mm-hmm. So we got to be really, deliberate that uh, we have like gender justice, racial justice and everything else um, uh, in the front of of all the policy uh, that we create. Because even when you're talking about unions, like there are like Mm -hmm. people of color um, that have been left out of unions uh, work for for generations now. Um, So we need to make sure that um, we address that first. Again, because I'm a history nerd, I, I just it like blows my mind when I think about how the unions were like you know, the original enemies of, of capitalists and in such a short amount of time have become, you know, teammates with, with them in a lot of ways. So like, are you seeing some shifts, some shifts in union leadership and sort of how unions are thinking about things now too? Yeah. I mean, I've like, I'm, I really believe in, in the value of unions, like, historically mm-hmm. but also now um yeah and yeah i think there's there's some like not every boss of any organization or any leader of any organization uh, not every leader is perfect but like right. i don't think that's the core of the problem is like you know corrupted leadership or anything like that it's the fact that like they like you talked about transitional jobs programs and this idea of a just transition and it's always been like this cutesy line that climate advocates usually predominantly white usually predominantly upper class um highly educated white folks would be like oh we'll have a transition program and if you're a working (laughs) teach them to code yeah yeah, honestly (laughs) if i was a union boss i'd be like get the f out of here like how dare you like show me it like Mm -hmm. so i think that's that's sort of where a lot of this has come from it's like we weren't able to show them real benefits. And when we did, it was like this, these really half, like half measures, like liberal half measures. Um, But this idea that we can invest now where you can, you can just walk into a public, like an employment office, your local employment office, and there'll be a job waiting for you um, where you're not going to have like environmental, you're not going to have your neighbors yelling at you, like environmental Mm -hmm. advocates or animal rights. Like you're going to be cool. And you're going to be, there's going to be people from rural areas and urban areas doing projects with you, like people of, across generations, across races, like that's how you create real unity. It's not, it's not yeah. just public jobs. Isn't just good for your paycheck. Um, it's not just good for the planet, but it's good for our politics. Um, it's going to mm-hmm. get like, get people working together and, and really building something positive. So um, it's something real. And that's how I think we're, we're seeing like unions um, take it a little bit more seriously because frankly, we just haven't given them anything real up until Mm -hmm. now.
That's it for this time. Big thanks to Kaniela Ng for joining me. You can check out some of the links in the show notes for more information on the Thrive Act and people's action. Again, we're at work on a new narrative season coming up soon, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss that. Please rate and review us wherever you're listening. It helps us find new listeners. You can also support us on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash drilled. That gets you ad-free episodes, access to exclusive merchandise, and coming soon, some bonus content. Plus, you get early release episodes of the new narrative season. So check that out. Patreon.com slash drilled. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. 